to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. My guest is John Burns. He's the CEO of TB12, which is the wellness company owned by Super Bowl champion Tom Brady. Tom Brady is undoubtedly the best quarterback of all time, and at age 43, he shows no signs of retiring yet. TB12's mission is to teach other people about the health and well-being factors that contribute to Brady's ongoing athletic success and the ways in which he seems to defy the odds as he ages. On today's show, John discusses the mindset principles behind TB12. He talks about motivation, staying positive, and focusing on the things that you can control so you can succeed in all areas of your life. Make sure to stick around until the end of the episode for the therapist take. This is the part of the show where I break down my guests' mental strength strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. So here's John Burns on how to develop the mindset of a champion. John Burns, welcome to the Very Well Mind podcast. Happy to be here, Amy. Thanks for having me. So I am a native New Englander who just happens to be a Buccaneers fan. So, of course, I followed Tom Brady's career over the years anyway. But I'm curious for people who don't know what TB12 is, if you can explain a little bit about what it is and the purpose of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have a lot of Buccaneers fans up here in New England now, too, so you're no longer alone. Um, TB12 is a company founded by Tom Brady and Alex Guerrero, his longtime body coach. And our mission is to empower people to perform their best and live pain-free. And what we do is apply all the learnings that Tom and Alex have had over the years to keeping him healthy, performing at his best, and most importantly, pain-free, and applying those and making those uh, available to consumers everywhere. Um, And they can come see us in person at one of our performance and recovery centers, or they can interact with us online or through our app. And so there's different components, right? Part of it is about your physical health and nutrition and those sorts of things. But mindset's also a big part of it, right? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a wrapper for everything. And, you know, I think especially with Tom, it's a real special component of who he is. So the TB12 method, if you will, which is the foundation of our business, and it's really the lifestyle that Tom leads, has a few components to it. One is this notion of deep force muscle pliability work and how he takes care of his body through manual therapy and his relationship with Alex. So his functional strength and conditioning, how he works out, um, what he eats, so his nutrition, what he drinks, and then, of course, his winning mindset. And there's a lot of components to that. And, you know, the, the really cool thing about TB12 is we've worked with thousands and thousands of not only athletes and people. So not only have we seen the effects of uh, mindset from Tom, but we've seen it on these thousands of other, you know, athletes and individuals we've worked with as well. Yeah, one of the great things then to have uh, Tom as your person who's using it is we have proof, right? He's not just writing a book about all of these things, but we're seeing it in action. And... Then to know, all right, it's not just that he won the genetic lottery, but you're seeing it working with with other people too. It gives the rest of us hope that these things can work for us if we want to stay healthy as we get more mature. I won't say old, but I'll just say more mature. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more mature is okay. You know, look, at the end of the day, he's 43, uh, playing the 
arguably one of the most physically demanding sports in the world, especially when you factor in the contact part of the game. And uh, he's able to do it uh, not only because of how he takes care of his body, but because of the mental approach to how he's um, really taking care of his body, how he's approached the team aspect of thing and everything. And of course, just the winning mindset in general and knowing that he can do this. So before we dive into to what the mindset is, how did you come up with that? How did you figure out, all right, these mental strategies are, are what works? Well, I think like a lot of things, there's, um, there's no one aha moment, right? This is a method and an approach to taking care of yourself that was developed over many, many, many years. Um, and it started way back with Alex Guerrero, um, his relationship with Tom, Tom's 20 plus years in the NFL now at this point. Um, and again, all the other athletes that we've worked with. So uh, what you will find, and I think this is a really, really big part of the TB12 method is helping people recover and helping them not be in pain. Uh, a lot of it starts with hope. And so what we realized working with thousands of people, not just Tom, is instilling people with a sense of hope that you don't have to be in pain, that you can get better, that you can accept, do things that you know are seemingly impossible. Um, that really is the inception of a lot of it. And then once you start applying you know, some other concepts, um, we've been able to really impact, as I said, thousands of people. So what about most of our listeners aren't going to be pro athletes. They're just yep. everyday people including myself. I, I'm certainly not going to try out for any pro sports anytime soon. However, how could this apply to me? How could learning more about this still be useful in my life? Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of aspects of it. And so I'll start with just a little personal journey for a second. You know, I've been with Tom and Alex and TB12 for about two and a half, three years now. And my personal journey with TB12 started about four or five years ago. Um, I've always been very, very active. It's part of how I, I identify as a person. I'm, I'm athletic. I like to be active. I mountain bike. I do all sorts of different things. Um, I hurt myself playing hockey and I tore a muscle. I'm in my late forties now. I was in my mid forties then. Um, I tore a muscle in my leg and I heard it pop and I'd never torn a muscle in my life, Amy, as far as I could remember. And, uh, you know, when you can't walk and you have a pulled muscle in your leg and your whole leg's black and blue, um, you go to a very dark place if you're an active person. And part of your identity is someone who's active. Um, I found my way to TB12 as a client at first. And um, they not only got me better, but gave me the hope that I could get better. And so, you know, the misperception about TB12 is we work with Tom Brady and all the world champions out there. But that's actually very far from the truth. The vast majority of our clients and customers are everyday people like you and me. And so, um, you know, people like you and I can apply these mental strategies and mindset approaches of these world champion athletes and other people um, and, and apply them to, you know, our everyday lives. And, you know, I learned that through TB12 um, as a client at first. Now I'm obviously CEO of the company, but um, I think everything that we do is applicable from, you know, uh, youth to adults. You know, the, the youngest people I've seen work with us at TB12 um, are three years old. We had a, a young girl who had a stroke in utero and had a hard time uh, walking. And we've actually given her hope and she's walking again now. And we had another gentleman who um, was uh, 82 years old and uh, was a master's boxing champion. So, you know, what we do in the strategies and our approach and the lifestyle and the mindset uh, can help people of any age and of any activity level. I'm glad that you said all of that because we know that there's a huge link between physical health and mental health. And when we exercise and we work out and we stay active, we just tend to feel better 
emotionally, it's great for our psychological well-being. But there's this concept that as you get older, you slow down. And when we look at, you know, how people lived when they were 40 years old, like my parents, when they were 40, they were old. They didn't really hike mountains. They didn't go out and go running. They didn't do those things. And so I think that was always sort of in the back of my mind is like, wow, 40 is over the hill. So once you get to be that old, you can't possibly do anything. And so I challenged myself uh, to, to get six-pack abs. And I now run way faster now than I did when I was 12. And I'm sort of figuring out just what we've learned from studies. I'm a therapist by trade, and the research is pretty clear that a lot of aging has to do with our mindset. When you expect that you're going to be old at 40, 50, 60, you act old, and then guess what? Your body slows down. So how does this help people to learn, okay, maybe I don't have to just go through life uh, playing defense necessarily. I don't have to just worry about not getting injured, but I can still be active. I can still put myself out there and I can still uh, learn new things. Like the person you talked about who's in his 80s and he's still uh, an athlete. How do we keep that in our the back of our minds so that we can stay young and healthy for as long as possible? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Amy. And, and obviously, I know this is a podcast format conversation, but we could probably speak for three weeks about these topics. I mean, there's just so much to unpack here. And uh, we have a unique vantage point here at TB12, you know, not only through all the people we work with like you and me, but again, a lot of these world champions and how they approach things. So, you know, let me start with what I what, what I think is probably from our experience, you know, as we think about like the TB12 mindset and the winning mindset, um, a lot of this starts with the notion of accepting no limits, right? And that gets a, a lot to what you're talking about. So we think very much foundationally to have a truly winning mindset, you have to get yourself to a place where you accept no limits, right? And I think that's part of the magic of Tom Brady, as well as many other people that we, you know, interact with here at TB12. But um, Tom was and is unwilling to accept the convention that you are at your peak at 35 as a you know quarterback. Like that's it. It doesn't get any, you don't go beyond that, right? And he now last year, you know, obviously. I'm here in New England. I've been a longtime Patriots fan, and I'm also a newfound Buccaneers fan. Um, you've, you've probably been a Buccaneers fan longer than me, but you know, when he left the Patriots, you know, everyone said he's not going to be able. He'll never win another Super Bowl, and he's too old, and he's outside of Belichick system, and all this. And like at the end of the day, Tom never accepted that, and Tom still to this day doesn't accept the limits. And you know, he's won his seventh Super Bowl last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he's going back to win an eighth this year. Um, and he just, you know, it's that mindset. And I think you find that all over the place. You know, we have a podcast series as well, Amy, and we talk to all sorts of uh, individuals, high performers, um, you know, world champion athletes, scientists, and uh, there's some common threads between these people. And this notion of accepting no limits, not just accepting convention and what you're told, is very, very common. And so I would encourage people, and we encourage people here at TB12, uh, to really reframe this notion of limits. And, you know, we think it's so important, like a lot of companies, you know, you establish some values and whatnot. Um, we, we take it as core to our values as a company to accept no limits. And uh, I think that's a big part of it. And it gets, it gets exactly to your question. Just because you were 40 didn't mean you couldn't run faster, didn't mean you couldn't get six-pack abs. Yeah. Okay. So as long as we just keep that in mind, that if somebody says I'm 50, but I want to run a marathon, they could still do it if they if they choose to. Or somebody says, I've never been an athlete my whole life, but I want to start training for something, whether it's hiking a mountain or doing some sort of challenge that they can still do it. Yeah. Look, and I guess, you know, 
I don't want to mislead people to think that father time doesn't win in the end, right? At the end right. of the day, we all age. There's an there's a there's a biologic process which we can't escape, right? Called aging, right? But there are many many things that you can do and choices you can make to slow that process down. And as you said, uh, a lot of it is like if you think you're old, you are old, right? And yeah, so you could be 55 or 60 and never have run before but I promise you, you could run a marathon. You may not be able to run a marathon as fast as someone who's 22, but you can run a marathon. And I think, again, it's it's just like shifting that mental model to accepting the limits. Look, we live in a world where we're surrounded by boundaries and limits and people telling you all the things you can't do. And I know we want to espouse a message of telling you all the things you can do. And uh, that's, you know, that's a big part of Tom, which is part of our ethos and, you know, what we're all about. I can appreciate that, even though I write books about what not to do. I can still appreciate it. <laughs> That's, right. That's okay. Sometimes it's good to not do a few things, too. <laughs> well, sometimes it's helpful to just remember, as long as I don't do these things, I'll be okay. Yeah. So that's one of, I know one of the six components was uh, accept, accept no limits. Another one is stay positive. How do you do yeah. that in a world where it's tough sometimes? The news is filled with... Uh, stories that aren't so positive. A lot of people aren't positive. How do you stay positive? Yeah, look, I mean, this is really, um, uh, it's a tricky one, right? Because if it were as easy as just saying, oh, buck up, just be positive, like everyone would do it. Um, Look, I think there's a few things that play into this. And I think at its most basic level, um, we live in a world where we're overwhelmed with forces that are outside of our control. Um, there's just so much that's outside of our control. So I believe that part of staying positive, and I think where we come from here at TB12, is focus on what you can control, right? Focus on what you can control. And uh, the first place you can start is um, your attitude about things, right? And no one said life was going to be easy. In fact, it's oftentimes quite the opposite, Right. But I think how you approach things, right, and that positive outlook, um, that things will be better. Again, goes back to a little bit of hope where I started things, right? Hope is connected with that. Like hope's very, very powerful. If you don't have hope, that's a tough place to be, right? If you got a little bit of hope, you can be positive. Um, and I think also connected to that, which we can talk about, uh, of course, as well, is just the notion of a growth mindset. Like if you if you have a negative experience, but you think about it as a learning experience, it's a little easier to stay positive. So um, positive is sometimes easier said than done. But whether it's, you know, finding that sense of hope, focusing on a sense of what you can control, right, or looking at setbacks and challenges as learning experiences, you know, a few little tools and things that you can do to um, you know, to try and be positive and stay positive. And there's a lot of research that talks about play to win, which is something that I've talked about on this show before. But I'm guaranteed when Tom steps onto the football field, he's not just thinking, hope we don't embarrass ourselves today. He's there to win, right? And how yeah. that shift in mindset makes a huge difference because for those of us that are uh, have a job maybe where you have to give a public presentation, if you step up on the stage thinking, I hope I just don't embarrass myself today, you'll perform much differently than if you step up there with a positive mindset of, I'm going to crush this, or I hope people really take something away from this. So it sounds like that's what you're saying in terms of being positive. You can be realistic, but at the same time, having hope, being positive really affects the way that you perform. Yeah. And I think the important thing is, um, you know, unbridled optimism. There's a lot of research that would also suggest that like unbridled optimism is not necessarily the best thing either, right? There's an element of like, 
realistic optimism that I think, you know, contributes to this. And, you know, I would tell you, you know, as, as an example, like Tom, uh, I'll say this right now, it is, uh, what's it, I guess, basically early, it's, it's April, May, right? And football season's a few months away. Tom is already talking, like, and preparing to win an eighth Super Bowl. He's not talking about maybe we're going to win it, right? He's, like, staying positive. And, look, you talk to other world champion athletes as well. Like, you talk to Matt Fraser, five-time CrossFit champion, or Tia Toomey, four-time CrossFit champion, and she's trying to win her fifth this coming year. Like, you talk to Matt or Tia, who are friends of ours, you know, they go into it. They go into the CrossFit games positive, and, like, they know it's going to be really, really hard. I promise you the CrossFit games are very, very hard. Um, but they go in into it with a positive approach that like, look, I got this. Like I can control what I can control, which is my training. And now I'm ready to go. And so I think that's a big part of it. And I like that you said that, that they focus on what they can control and that they're realistic about how hard it is. Because when it comes to positivity, people often get that confused. They walk into a situation thinking this is going to be easy. And they think that's a positive mindset rather than how am I going to perform? This is going to be hard, yet I'm tough enough to get through it. I think that is a great point. Um, I would agree with that 100%. I would say there's not necessarily any correlation between easy, hard, and positive. Like, it is like, you know, not everything is easy. Like, that's just the way it is. But that does not mean you cannot be positive. And I think also, too, you know, I've just found over over time in life, there was, um, I did a, um, I've done a, fortunately, I've done a lot of different interesting things. Uh, but I did a 100-mile um, mountain bike race a number of years ago out in Leadville, Colorado. And the guy who started that, um, he he had a great saying. He said, you're stronger than you think you are, and you can do more than you think you can. And they gave you a little wristband, right? And it said that on it. And so when you're out there eight, nine, 10 hours on a bike in the mountains, and it's dry, and you're, you're looking at that, and you're saying, you know what? I can. And so, man, that's really hard. It was really hard doing that race. But you could stay positive the whole time. I love that. Uh, and then another thing that you guys talk about is always give your best effort, which we all have days where we wake up and we'd rather be doing something else. We think, oh, I'm just not feeling it today. How do you do that? How do you always give your best effort? Yeah, you know, that's a that's a tricky one, right? And like, I think a lot of things, you have to find little um, tools or mechanisms to get you in the right spot. And I think one thing you'll find, again, uh, that's a common thread between, um, you know, world-class athletes and ultra-high performers, um, the ability to, as we were saying before, like do the hard things, right? And know that there is some beauty in the effort and the process, right? World-class athletes and high performers tend to appreciate the process. And part of the process is the effort. And going back to the word I used a little while ago, control, um, I think what I have found and seen, uh, both personally, but through my experiences with these individuals, is the ability to put the effort in is something you can control in a world where there's a lot of things you can't. And a lot of these athletes play in sports and games and endeavors that they can't control everything. Like Tom Brady cannot control everything that happens in a football game. There's 53 people on each team, right? A lot of things are happening. He can't control everything, but he can control the effort he puts into the preparation and the effort he puts in during the game. And again, I think you'll find that... Um, you know, very, very common. You'll find that with, you know, when you think about other high performers, not even just in the athletic world, but in the military world, um, you know, special operations people, you know, they can control the effort with which they train. 
right? And they know and they have the confidence that with that effort will come the the expertise and the proficiency to help them deliver when it's needed. And so there's a confidence, right? There's, you know, there's so I think, Amy, there's, there's a confidence that gets bred through effort, right? And I think it's hard on some days. It's hard on some days. But, you know, the one thing that we don't talk enough about here at TB12, but, you know, um, I think comes back to a lot of this is a clarity of purpose, right? A lot of these people also have a very strong clarity of purpose. And so on those hard days, Amy, if you, um, you know, think it's a little tough to put into best effort, if you have extreme clarity of purpose, it becomes clearer why you, why you need to put the effort in. And you find that with a lot of these world-class athletes. I bet. And I bet that's a lot of what separates somebody from who becomes a world-class athlete from anybody else. Because the days you don't feel like it are the days that probably matter almost the most, how much effort you put in on uh, when you just aren't feeling it. Yeah, you know, I have um, I have four kids, and uh, one of my daughter has, um, has a coach who helps her with her skating for ice hockey. And again, this coach has an amazing uh, expression that I love, and it's great. My twelve year old daughter uses it now too. There's no traffic on the extra, extra ex, ooh, no traffic on the extra mile, right? There's no traffic on the extra mile. Like sometimes you just got to do it. And uh, I love that quote, and uh, I think it speaks to the importance of effort. And as you said before, that you're stronger than you think because your brain will try to talk you out of doing it. And it's almost like you have to know that you can't completely trust your brain. When I I run a timed mile every day, I'm trying to break six minutes, but never fail. Three quarters in, my brain will be like, oh, you can't do this. You should just slow down, take a break. You're dying, whatever it is. And I have to know that, all right, my brain's just trying to talk me out of this, but I have to keep going anyway. And it's almost like you just have to keep pushing your body challenging every all those thoughts that are negative and saying, how do you keep going? Obviously, I wrote the book about mental strength, so I know these things, and I'm a therapist, yet happens almost every day, guaranteed, to get to the three-quarter mile mark, and my brain will try to talk me out of, out of going, and it will say, slow down, stop, you deserve a break. You really have to challenge those thoughts continuously. Yeah. And again, you know better than me because, you know, you do the research. Um, this is more your field than mine. But again, I just go back to something very, very simple, which is um, if you don't push your limits, you will never know that you can go past your limits. And in everything I've seen personally in sport and everything I've experienced secondhand through you know, all the people we work with and all the people we know, um, your mind can help you push through physical limitations more than you could ever imagine more than you could ever imagine. But again, we live in a world, right, where we are being wired for convenience, right? There's a CVS on every corner, right? There's DoorDash and Uber. You can get everything delivered. And so we become accustomed to things being easy. But there is a certain magic to what you do every day, pushing yourself on that time mile and getting out of your comfort zone right? And realizing there's more there, right? There's more there. And um, I think through discomfort, through accepting no limits and pushing, people find new boundaries. And there is innumerable stories. You probably know more of them than I do about people who have, you know, um, used their mind to overcome seemingly impossible physical odds, whether they're stories of survival, whether they're on the athletic field, whether they're stories of personal endurance of people, you know, um, overcoming personal tragedies. Uh, it's, it's really quite remarkable. And for, you know, for you, 
running a timed mile trying to get under, you know, six minutes a mile. That is an all out anaerobic effort for you. And that's hard. That's really hard. It is hard. And so then, you know, one of your other principles is learn from failure. Well, just about every day I come in, Uh I just try to beat what I came in yesterday, like 613 is the record, but sometimes I come in at 620 and I'm like, ah, I didn't do it today. How do you, how do you learn from failure so that you don't end up thinking, all right, this wasn't meant to be, I can't do it. Uh, I could do better tomorrow. What's your advice about that? A lot of it is how you frame it right? A lot of it is how you frame it. And again, it comes back to why are you doing what you're doing? Like, what's your purpose, right? And I think there's an element of drive. There's a lot of things that play into this, but um, you have to accept there are going to be failures and setbacks. And again, uh, both just through experience, but also I believe that there's almost innumerable stories out there of people who would tell you they learned more in their failures than they did in their victories. And so you have to accept that those are part of the process. And the highest performers out there recognize that. And you know what? You don't win every single game, right? You don't win every single game. You don't win every competition. You don't PR every day on the one mile right? But there's something you can take and learn from every one of those experiences, you know, and it's kind of back to that growth mindset. And how do you apply that? And I think, again, for people who are looking to take more control of their lives, having real clarity of purpose of what they're trying to accomplish and recognizing that the the failures and the setbacks are part of the process. What can I learn? Because if I learn something, I am one step closer to getting there. Right. Because at the end of the day, Amy, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Like that's the reality of it. Right. If it was easy for everybody to run uh, under six minute mile, everybody would do it. And then it wouldn't be that interesting to you, probably. Yeah, exactly. I'm just I was trying to beat my 12 year old record when I was 12. I did it in like 710. So that started as my goal. And then once I beat seven minutes, I thought, oh, maybe I could do six and a half. And once I beat that, I thought, oh, let's go for six. <laughs> hey, I want to go on record. You're faster than me. So you're faster <laughs> than me. So I got some work to do. I got to go do some work after this. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, what's really funny. So I, I give a TED talk. 16 million people have seen my TED talk. Yet I've, when I get recognized, like at the grocery store, people will say, you're the girl that runs fast. I have these bright orange sneakers, but nobody's ever recognized me for giving a TED talk or writing books. But to be the girl that runs fast, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's something good to be known for. It's powerful and it's it's great. It's a good statement. So the sixth principle is about staying determined. How do you stay determined when you're going through a slump, when you're going through a rough patch, when you just have this period where you just aren't feeling it? How do you stay on course and say, all right, I'm still going to keep working on this? Yeah, determination is interesting, right? And um, I think there's a lot of elements to it. And um, I'll I'll sort of take this in two directions. Um, I think the first and easiest, like the connective tissue to what we've been talking about is again, back to this clarity of purpose. You know, what you will find with um, the most accomplished people in sport and athletics and, you know, the military or other places, even in business, there is a um, a clarity of what they're trying to accomplish, a clarity of purpose, where they have a maniacal focus, a hyper focus on getting there, and therefore are intrinsically motivated and have the determination to do it. Right? I think a big part of determination is intrinsic motivation. Right? And like really having that deep down inside, I want this. Right? I want it at the expense of a lot of things. You know, talk to a Matt Fraser who's won the you know CrossFit Games five times. Um, he'll tell you about all the things he's never had a chance to do. 
right? Things that you and I might take for granted that we might do every day, right? But he's so determined to get there, right? He's willing to make those sacrifices because he's intrinsically motivated. I think that's a really, really, really important part of it. Um, I think, you know, look, the other part of determination, and I think this this plays into a few of these concepts and certainly others, there's this age-old conversation around nature versus nurture. And uh, best I can tell from everything I've read, seen, experienced in life, and all the people I've talked to who are you know, world-renowned experts on this stuff, is a little bit of both oftentimes in things. Not everything. Some things are more nature than nurture. Some things are more nurture than nature. But um, I think with determination, um, you have to look at this nature versus nurture situation. There are some people who, in my experience, are just born a little more determined. They're a little more stubborn, a little more pigheaded. They want, they, they, they're going to do this, right? Um, and then there are people who have, um, you know, growing up experiences or parents or role models that teach them the importance of determination. So I think it can come from a few different places. It can come from a lot of different places, actually. But I would tell people who are interested are curious about how do I exercise my determination muscles, like go back to the purpose and why and what are you trying to accomplish and really ask yourself, not only what am I trying to accomplish, but why am I trying to accomplish it, right? And back to that intrinsic motivation. I promise you, if you find your intrinsic motivation, the determination will follow. Like no one is making you get up every day and try and run a six minute mile. Like you have your reasons that are deeply held, I'm sure, to do that. And so I promise you that you found your determination as a, res- as a result of that, probably among other things. But I think people have to find that. And we, we live in a world where people go through much of their lives, unfortunately, living by other people's rules, doing what other people expect of them, and also in a world where um, everything's moving fast. Everything's moving so fast. So oftentimes people don't get the opportunity to self-reflect and say, what am I doing and why? And um, that's, you know, maybe the proverbial midlife crisis that happens to a lot of people. You know, some people get that gift very early in life. Who knows? But I think when you find that what and why, um, the determination comes pretty quickly from being intrinsically motivated. I think so too. And it's so tempting sometimes to be motivated by things that aren't healthy. Like, oh, I'll show them. Whether it's you want to show an ex that you can be happy or you want to show other people that you you think you're going to be really happy when you lose weight or you have all of these goals and they just, it's not, it doesn't come from within. When you have all of these external things that you expect to happen, uh, people end up disappointed. I see it in my therapy office all the time where people will, even if they do reach that goal, they say, well, now that I'm there, it's not what I expected it to be. This wasn't the key to happiness after all. Yeah. Well, again, and in, in, in more your field than mine, but I know there's some research out there uh, tied to this topic and money. You know, people think the answer to everything is money. And there's a lot of studies that'll suggest the people that finally get this big sum of money and lot, there's a lot of them that are actually more unhappy, right? And so um, I think what you're saying is is spot on. And, and like, again, if, if you're always just chasing the next thing and you haven't really stepped back and thought about what's important and why is it important to me, 
um, you know, you're, you're not necessarily setting yourself up for success long-term. Look, the, the, the interesting thing about life, I think, is um, despite everything we're saying, some people can find their way to things, right? You can sort of accidentally find your way to your purpose or your why or your what, but the vast majority of people um, don't get that gift and you got to go think about it and find it. Yes, I agree. Although I'm one of those people that sort of accidentally stumbled upon upon it when I became an author and I didn't mean to, but I'll take it. Hey, that's um, okay. <laughs> you know, you never know what could be yeah. around the next corner. Uh, how about you have this awesome podcast called the Keep Going Podcast. Uh, what's one of the best lessons you've learned? I know you interview really awesome people from, uh, you've had Venus Williams on there, Lindsay Vaughn, Angela Duckworth. What's one of the biggest takeaways you've had from talking to these people? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, now we're about 20 episodes or so in. I've been doing some reflecting on it myself, trying to figure out, okay, what's the common themes, right? Because you have this great opportunity to talk to all these people. And um, there's a few, and and I know I've said this so much in the conversation today, but um, I'll go back to it here for a second. Just this clarity of purpose. And, um, you know, we haven't released an episode yet with Tom, but I can tell you that's an important part of his. And you'll hear that when we talk to him, release that podcast. But whether it's, you know, like I said, some of these people, whether it's Venus Williams, right, or whether it's, you know, Lindsey Vaughn or whether it's Matt Frazier, right, or whether it's even a gentleman like Andrew Marr, who was a Green Beret, who suffered extraordinary traumatic brain injury, having the, you know, hit such a low point in his life through medication and other stuff to have a moment with a sick child, to have the clarity of purpose that he needed to get better to help his children and his family. And that's all that mattered was getting better. Um, you know, it's not just something that applies to the Tom Brady's and the Venus Williams of the world. Um, you know, there, there's a gentleman who got, you know, uh, just awful, awful brain injuries from being, uh, being overseas and in combat and having this moment where he had a clarity, this clarity of purpose that he had to get better for his family and his kids. And it drove everything for him. Um, that to me, Amy, is one of the biggest, um, uh, biggest things I've learned, not only through the, obviously the podcast series, but just working with all these people. And, um, man, that is a gift. If you can, if you can find clarity on what's your purpose and what's your why and why you're doing what you're doing, uh, that is incredibly powerful. We can talk a lot about determination. We can talk a lot about a growth mindset. We can talk a lot about focus, but you know, a lot of it comes from that clarity of purpose. You know, when Tom Brady said he wanted at 35, he wanted to play till he was 45, every single decision is tied to that purpose. Every single decision. Uh, and um, it's actually incredibly uh it's incredibly liberating for these people, I find, because of the simplification of it all. We all lead such complicated lives. But if you know, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm here for. This is my why. Everything falls in line. So I'd encourage people to really think about that. That's such wise advice for anybody, whether they are an athlete or they, they don't exercise or no matter what, to just know what's my purpose, what's my mission. And then all of life's other decisions just get so easy because you know, does this... Uh, support what I'm trying to do or not. And life gets much easier when you when you live by that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I have one last question for you before we go. Do you know how fast Tom runs a mile? <laughs> I do not. Um, but I will tell you, uh, he runs his 40-yard dash, which is a good measure in the NFL, um, as fast, if not slightly faster than he did when he was at the NFL Combine 
all those years ago. So bringing this whole conversation full circle, Amy, to what we were talking about, um, you know, and how you don't have to have limits. And just because, you know, you're getting older doesn't mean you need to think that way. You can defy convention. You can defy limits. And uh, it's possible. You just got to apply the right mindset. I love that. Thank you so much, John, for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Amy. Really appreciate it. That was great. Thank you so much. I think our listeners will appreciate all of those things that you said because it applies to so many things in life. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Go very much. Uh, happy to do it. And uh, thanks for thanks for having me on. And you know, let us know when we're out. We'll make sure we promote it a little bit too. Awesome. We'll Get do. The word out. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. John. Have a great weekend. Bye bye. Thanks you too. Bye. Welcome to the therapist take. This is the part of the show where I break down my guest strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. Here are three of the strategies John shared that I highly recommend. Number one, redefine your limits. I like that John talked about redefining your limits, especially when it comes to aging. We know Tom Brady has certainly shown that by not accepting that his peak athletic years are behind him, he's been able to continue to get better over the years. Of course, as a runner who's trying to get faster as I get older, I love this idea. Something that Olympic swimmer Mallory Wegeman talked about in episode 62 as well. There are lots of ways that you might redefine the limitations and the labels placed on you. Whether you've defined yourself as an unlovable mess or you've believed others who said someone of your size or with your background can't succeed. Don't let statistics or other people's expectations or even your own unhelpful labels decide what you're capable of achieving. When you believe you can defy the odds, you just might be able to do it. Number two, identify what motivates you. John talks a lot about the importance of intrinsic motivation and knowing your why. Intrinsic motivation is certainly important if you want to stick to a goal for the long haul. Initially, though, you might need a little external motivation to get started. Sometimes people choose to work out more often because they want others to think that they're more attractive. But after hitting the gym or running for a few weeks, they might realize that they feel happier and they sleep better. That intrinsic motivation could help them stay the course. Or someone might give up smoking initially because they want their partner to quit complaining to them. But after a month without cigarettes, they might see how much money they're saving, and that might motivate them to keep going. So you might need a little external motivation to get you going in the first place, but it's your intrinsic motivation that will keep you going. So it's okay to reward yourself for reaching your goals at first. Just make sure that you don't reach for a reward that sabotages your success. Like, don't reward yourself for going to the gym by going out for ice cream. But do look for rewards that encourage your good habits to get you going. And over time, you might develop more intrinsic motivation. Number three, focus on the things that you can control. John talked a lot about the importance of focusing on things that you can control. That makes sense in the athletic space. But this is important in other areas of your life, too. In fact, I spent an entire chapter talking about this in my book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. There are so many things that are out of your control. You can't control how other people act. You can't control the weather. You can't control politics. And worrying about the things you can't control will drain you of the mental strength you need to be your best. So while it feels scary at first to acknowledge that something is completely out of your hands, Staying focused on the things that you can control will ensure that you're equipped to handle whatever life throws your way. So the next time you're worried about something, take a step back and ask yourself, what can I control in this situation? You might find the only thing you can control is your effort or maybe your attitude. 
But when you put all your energy into those things, you'll make the best out of your situation. So those are three of John's tips that I highly recommend. Redefine your limits, identify what truly motivates you, and focus on the things that you can control. For more information about TB12, check out their website at tb12sports.com. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.